Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Graham, and welcome once again to another episode of the Rip Roaring Reds podcast. We are one day removed from a massive victory over Man City, and I was joined on that day and now with Jace. How are we doing, Jace? Yes, mate. I'm I'm really good. It's a great day out yesterday. Sun was shining. We're back playing. It's the start of the season now. We've got a trophy in the bag. Brilliant. Can't wait. Can't wait. Bring on what the season. What is there season. not to like, right? What is there not to like? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Yeah, you know what? Me, me and Jace just came back from playing football. So we, we've cooled down. We've calmed down <laughs> from, 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 from that game. I got absolutely rinsed by Jason probably enough times and the whole team, to be honest. So um, I'd much rather be watching Arsenal than playing football right now, I think. I've only just it's changed out the, out the away shirt. Yeah, I mean that 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 shirt though, the one that you're wearing now. What what a shirt that is! It's just just special. Yeah, it's just special. Yeah. Right. We got lots to talk about on today's uh, episode. We're going to be going through all the talking points of the big uh, Manchester City game and our big victory over them, as well as lots of other talking points throughout the parking lot as well. So let us kick off that intro music, and then we'll get straight into it. Right, there is loads to talk about, as we've already said, Jace, and we're going to start off like we always do with our rip-roaring review. I'm going to hand it over to you first. What's your big, bold talking point of the week? So I'm going straight in. We can do it. We know we can now do it. Um, it was, yes, it was only the community shield, but a trophy is a trophy and it was a competitive game. We went toe to toe. We didn't look out of place. We didn't look like we didn't deserve to be there. You know, at the end of the day, we came second in the league last year. They won everything else. There has to be a game. We deserved our place in that game. There was a trophy up for grabs and we took it. So I'm incredibly happy with the performance. Yeah, sure, there's some things we need to brush up on, but we can do it. I was at the game three, two, two years ago when we were at the Emirates and we lost 2-1. We went toe-to-toe with them that day. We lost 2-1. Ref, in my opinion, ruled us, uh, lost that game for us. Um, we went toe-to-toe with them then, and we went toe-to-toe with them yesterday uh, with with a decent squad, the squad that we we did want playing City last season, not when we were missing Saliba and Thomas Party. So, yep. Uh, that's my bit wrong review. We can do it, and we know we can do it now. So let's do it in the season. I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> I love yeah, that you've got the vigor and the bit between your teeth. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go similar. Actually, you called it right at the end there a little bit. Um, when we played them before, um, we didn't have Saliba, um, we didn't have Thomas Party, and for me, mm. my my kind of review at the moment is that we we look much more reassuring at the back than we ever have during any of the preseason games that we've kind of been part of so far. Um, it's likely that four is probably going to start in the league, I'd imagine. I'd be hard-pushed, and we're going to talk about it later, to think that Zinchenko gets his place straight back after a, a pretty decent performance by uh, Julian Timber. But I would say that, you know, that centre-back pairing, absolutely fantastic, absolutely bossed that game. Um, did Ben White, did the usual Ben White things. If you've seen the picture of him getting right up in Grealish's face, uh, Benny Blanco is just doing his usual, just getting in people's heads. I'm all here for it. I love his attitude. I love the fact that he's just like winding people up for fun. Great. So yeah, I mean, I'm just super excited to see that that back line looking super assured and also just seeing options as well. So even with, you know, if we don't necessarily look so assured in some games, we've got plenty of options to kind of change that up and make something different out of that back line as well. So yeah, dead excited about what, what that back line brings us and where it kind of puts us. It's strong. It's a strong back line. Gabriel, Ben White's quality. Gabriel. Saliba, they're intimidating centre back pairing. And then when you come up, and then you got now we've like we'll see if Zinni gets his place back. We'll talk about it later. But Timber, and we'll come on to talk about Timber as well. But just oh, he was so good. He's been good all preseason. Um, but uh, yeah, 
so much about him. I think I the, the, the biggest thing about him as well, though, actually, no, I'm going to save it all because there's going to be so much to talk about now. Let's let's go straight into it's... like so. Our, our Arsenal have shit house their way to this trophy. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, that that goal, uh, we did not deserve to. Well, I mean, we deserve to score a goal. I'm not denying we just we didn't deserve to score a goal. The way it came about maybe is a bit different. But you know, talk me through. We're going to talk about the game in general. What was your your feeling, your vibe around the whole game? How do you think we played, Jason? What do you think we deserve to win the trophy? I think, uh, yeah, screw it. Why not? Um, I, <laughs> it, it it was a fair even game. I think. I mean, we were in the ground. I'd say City dominated the first 20 minutes. Then we came into our own. We dominated till half time. We should have. City didn't have clear goal scoring opportunities in the first 20 minutes, I don't think. Maybe that one loose ball from Party and Rodri put it wide. Um, but then apart from that, we'll come on to talk about habits, but he had he had the clear opportunities to score. The second half, again, it was pretty dull. Then they scored uh like uh, a Palmer scored a beautiful, a beautiful goal. Yeah, it was, a, it was a peachy hit. Wasn't um, it? From where we were sitting, when that went, we saw we were right behind it, and that we. I mean, I think you were slightly. There was a slight clap from you. If I think I'm right, yeah, a little. little it was a good flight. You know, it was a good flight. You can't deny it, it was, was a great goal. It was a great. It was a great goal. Um, and Ramsdale was getting nowhere near it from the angle we were at. So. Um, yeah, that that was against that wasn't against the run of play. Like it was pretty even, but it kind of came out and a little bit. It wasn't against the run of play, but it did come out of nowhere a little bit. I felt, um, you know, a couple of uh, a little bit off the pace for us, and 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 they score, but we did not give up. We did not give up. We didn't also change our game. We didn't change our game with the way we played. We we. We kept to how Arteta wants us to play. We kept putting the ball wide. We kept bringing Saka and Ben Ben White especially into play, trying to make opportunities from that side. We've ended up forcing a corner, and then, as you say, shit has our way to a trophy because it was a bit of a it was a crap goal, right? Let's be honest. Um, yeah, I think but, it was going pretty wide from Trossard's original kind of effort. Yeah, but you know. Uh, we'll, we'll take it, and then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the pens in a minute. But um, yeah, I, I'd say it's a fairly even game. Both teams had their chances. It went to pens, up for grabs. Yeah, screw it. We deserve to win it. Why not? We, we, nice. we didn't get outplayed. No, I'd agree with you that we definitely didn't get outplayed. Yeah, what was your take on it? What was your take on it? I think for me, the biggest the biggest thing that came out of that game that I I think I actually mentioned it to you a couple of times, the amount of patience and uh, with restraint that we showed during that game that I think compared to the previous times when we've played Man City was really telling. Mm. Um, there was times when they had the ball at Ortega's feet. And we would usually get sucker punched at, at, on those occasions where we, we just want to press. We play the way Mikarteta wants us to play and we press, but we, we don't press in numbers or we press intimately or like isolated and we get cut through the middle. And we, we've seen that a lot in pre-season actually of us getting carved open through the middle. So I kind of expected that to happen. And we actually were just, we were really good at holding our gameplay, waiting for the right moment, pouncing in numbers. Our press was excellent yesterday. It was probably yeah. one of the best presses I've seen us done for a while. Again, let, let's be clear. An amazing team, right? Even if they aren't at full strength with preseason, even if they're not starting De Bruyne, they are the best team in the world currently. And thus, you know, we 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 had to step up our game. And I think we we truly did. So for me, we deserve we deserve to win it. There was a spell in the first half. I think you mentioned it. Maybe they had the better of the first fifteen minutes or so. There was a twenty, maybe less than that, probably about a seven to ten minute spell where we just held the ball. We passed it between the lines. We, if we, if it was closed, we would come back. We would go between the defenders. We would try it again. We would switch it. We were doing a lot of that and just retaining the ball and looking for openings and opportunities. And yes, um, the two that did come to Havertz, and we'll talk about that a bit later, didn't come off. But we, we kept at it. We kept playing. Like you say, we were persistent. We kept driving towards it and we weren't uh, flustered. I think that was one thing that we've seen before when it's not coming off and we get a bit panicky. And, and wonder how to do it. And we just waited. We played our game and it did come eventually. Granted, it came in the 100th minute. But, you know, if it comes, it comes. You can't complain. So I'm, yeah, like you deserve it. Yeah. No, I, I think 
you mentioned the kind of way we played and I was in the gym earlier and someone one of, one of my mates said to me he was like I watched it on the telly and he was like he was sitting so deep like in the first half he watched and you said party and rice was sitting so deep it was so close to the back four I didn't they didn't call it they didn't, didn't spring out to me when we were in the ground watching it um but what I would say is that we we're very calculated with C very very calculated like if we give them an option opportunity, they'll tear us to shreds. And you were right with the press. We didn't overcommit with the press. The press was good. The press was there when it was needed. We didn't overcommit. And as a result, you know, there was a lot of times in the first half, so it was that first 20 minutes, we weren't going full blast. We weren't going full steam ahead and putting making ourselves vulnerable and putting ourselves in vulnerable position. We kept it calm, we kept the game plan, and and you know. They couldn't break us down. Fair enough, we struggled to break them down at times as well. But but it's the sign of two teams. It's a sign that we're we're getting closer to their level. You know, our, our signings, our tactical play, we're, we're, we're getting there. And uh, yeah, I was really happy with that. Would you say, we were listening to Talk Sport on the way back and there was a, one of the callers on there was talking a lot about, well, I'm not going to reference the, the Tottenham fan that thought they were going to win the league because that was pretty comical in itself. Um, or the Man United fan who also thought they were going to win the league, he got laughed off the the, the call as well. Um, it was the, it was the Man City fan who was asked about you know they were missing Gundogan, they're missing Mares, two very key players to there, and in the middle they had uh, Kovacic. And what do you, what do you what do you think about that kind of replacement and that in that system? I don't get that one. Um, I. I rate Jorginho over Kovacic, but I have a bias because I've seen Jorginho play for Arsenal and I haven't watched Kovacic closely for Chelsea. What I have, do remember of Kovacic is he getting schooled a bit by Granit Xhaka in an FA Cup final. Um, I, I, I'm i sure he's had good performances, but I've not seen them because I don't watch Chelsea that often. Mm-hmm. What I saw yesterday was he wasn't up to the standards of Gundogan. Gundogan. Um, he's not going to be getting one of the goals that Gundogan was getting. I don't I don't think. You're not going to get a replacement there. He's not going to be running into the edge of the box and, and doing the kind of tapping from the edge of the box like you see Odegaard do. Because Gundogan used to do that for them. He used to get a lot of goals for them. He was always in there. Um, and, you know, from the, what I watched, I mean, Odegaard, he roasted him. <laughs> Odegaard roasted him a few a few turns and just took him out of the game. So... I don't think I, I'm sure he needs to take time to learn how Pep wants to play, and they wouldn't have bought him if they didn't think that they could do what they wanted with him. So I'm sure he'll be a very good player for them. But I don't see it would take him time to get up to speed, and I don't see him as an instant replacement. Um, and I'm sure they'll bring a winger in. I don't see them not bringing a Mara's replacement in. I don't see that. No, so they will be, they will, they will, they will, they will, they will buy where they need to buy. Um, so. Yeah, they're quite uh, astute in the market. That's one thing about Man City that you do feel they're never really linked with a lot of players. It just kind of happens. Maybe yeah, it's just because we play Arsenal, you see it more often. Exactly, but they, they seem to do quite astute business. Like you look at some of the players that they've signed over the years, and then they're, they're not like world renowned, but they turn into world class players. And even the ones that you know about, like look at Ake, you wouldn't necessarily put him in the bracket of like top class centre backs, but he's done such an unreal job for them. Well, they, they take time to develop their centre-backs as well, right? Like, Ake came, he was there for one or two seasons, and it was like, oh, he's not getting games. And then he just suddenly, ping, he's there. Well, I said that about Grealish. Grealish is similar. Like he, he was not, not playing for like an entire year, and then last season really came into his own. So do you reckon that's Calvin Phillips then, as well? I don't know. Thinking. When I've seen when I've seen him play, he looks, he, he looks, like, he looks like he's put on a bit of timber. In the summer, he looks like he's not very uh, fast, which is usually what he wants those kind of players to do. Like and, and have an engine, so have like a, generally they can go ninety minutes and not break a sweat. You know, Gundogan, no matter his age, he was bombing. Same as Bernardo Silva. You look at Bernardo Silva who played yes, he's playing right wing. He's probably 32, 33, somewhere in that region, I think, and he's doing the job. Yeah, I just can't see. Yeah, him. maybe not. Maybe not. So uh, you mentioned at the beginning uh, that we're looking more assured at the back. 
So talk to me a little bit about this defence. I mean, let's let's. I, I do think, and there was one thing that kind of stood out to me recently. So obviously, Haaland has now not scored in I think six or seven games. Um, he was pocketed by William Saliba, who I would argue is one of, if not the best young centre-back in the world currently. Um, I think we talked about the ESPN 100. I can't remember exactly where he placed. He was two or three, I think. Number four. Number four. four. I was one off. I was close. Um, But he (laughs) he absolutely pocketed him yesterday. He was, I think I said to you in the ground, I was like, I don't think he's had more than four touches. I think he eventually had five and he had an XG of nothing. He had an XG of zero. Um, You know, this is not like a... Wilfred Zaha or Ollie Watkins or someone else that we're talking about, right? That's like you can go missing in certain games. This is Erling Haaland. Yeah. He broke all kinds of records last season. This is not a nothing player. Um, and every opportunity that he had against our centre back pairing, he was getting nowhere. Um, mm. And I, you know, it's one game, and I, I, I was so interested in seeing it because, like I said, we never got, we didn't get this opportunity to look at this back with Saliba playing against Erling Haaland because that's when we. When he was going through that injury last season and we knew he wasn't coming back, we was all like, that's it. We knew we weren't really going to be able to compete because we knew Rob Holden was going to come in and not be able. We've seen what Rob Holden can do against Erling Haaland and it's not a good watch. No one wants to see that again. Um, So I think defensively, those two, absolutely unreal. Um, We've talked before on pods where Gabriel might have a mistake in him, didn't make anything as such, looked really well well assured, really well kind of gelled. Those two have a really good partnership together. Um, So I'm I'm all in for those two. And I even still think that even when they're not, I think Kiwior can come into that that pairing and also do a job. He he looked really assured in the previous game. So I don't worry about that either. Um, Yeah, and I think to to go beyond that, we've obviously got Ramsdale. Um, what do you think about Ramsdale? Because there's been a lot of talk about him, particularly in the last pod as well. Yeah, uh, impressive game by Ramsdale, to be honest. Um, I think Arteta was asked in his interview at the end whether he felt that the, the, the transfer talk speculation. Well, it's not, I think our, my understanding is it's going to be a done deal, it's not going to be speculation much longer, but whether the talk, uh, was um, would have uh, made an impact on his performance, would have spurred him on. Arteta's perspective was, I hope not. Like it should, that should be the expectation anyway that you have to fight for your place and consistently perform. So he kind of, kind of brushed it off. But I think it has had an impact on him because that was a level above what we've seen in preseason. In preseason, we've been talking about confidence. We've been slightly nervous as fans. I think. We've backed him, but we have been nervous uh, because we all love Ramsdale. He's an absolute um, top-class human, uh, and we want to back him. He's, you know, we love an English keeper. David Seaman uh, is a prime example. Bob Wilson. Um, so we we want to back him. We want him to be on new safe hands. Um, he's young. He's got longevity at the club. The way he, uh, you know, presents himself. So to see the performance he put in yesterday was great. Uh, watching back on the highlights and just recording what we saw on the ground, there were two very, very good saves. One of the ones was the one at the near post where he got a hand to it. Mm. Um, Is that one from the corner? Bri- yeah, I watched that back. Brilliant save, reflexes, awesome. Because he basically saved us. Like we would have been, we we could have been two 0 down easy. Um, and then it's game then, over right from then. That's killed the game. Yeah, point, you would say. And, and and you could you could say he got lucky with the Foden one, right? Because it went through his legs and it came off the kind of the mm. back of his heel and went wide. But he was there, so you know it's a safe. And then the penalty save for against Rodri. Oh, I bloody love that. I absolutely love that. Fun. He's firstly, I don't, I can't stand Rodri. I uh, two reasons for context. Uh, what he did to Odegaard in the Spain versus um, Norway game, where he, he, I mean, that was just, that was intentional. You didn't get booked. That really peed me off. Mm. So that's one reason I don't like Rodri. And then uh, the shithousing he did when they did win 2-1, when we absolutely annihilated them and we somehow lost 2-1, the ref gave it to them and he went and celebrated right in front of us. So 
he loves to wind Arsenal fans up and yeah, he wound me up and so I, I don't like him. Um, so to see, yeah, it did. It did. Oh, well, it's football, right? Um, but Ramsdale's penalty save, brilliant. Uh, brilliant to get down. He read it. Great save. So, yeah, um, Ramsdale, brilliant performance. Um, put his place, you know, put his put his marker down. It's, it's his jersey. You, you got to take it off him. So, very happy with that performance. Top class performance, exactly what we want from a first choice goalkeeper. Yeah. I would say on them on the Ramsdale side of things as well, and I was thinking about this yesterday a bit more. That that for me, although we kind of thought that oh we had a bit of a downturn on Ramsdale, so we needed to bring another keeper to come in and compete. What, who's to say that Turner didn't ask to leave? You know, he's playing for the United States. There's a World Cup coming up in their home country. Yeah. He's going to want more playing time. And Turner's getting that deal where he'll likely just go into that Forest team as their first choice. And who's to say that those dominoes just didn't fall, you know, together at the same time? And thus, there's an opportunity there for us to sign a keeper we've always wanted because we've always had our eyes on David Rea. Um, and the opportunity arose. And it's a good price. You know, that price is a good, a good price. Yeah, I, I, it's a quite interesting as well. Um, Ramsdale's going to fight for his place, that's clear. And Raya, the mentality to come, want to come into Arsenal knowing that we have Ramsdale, that's that's great. I, I'm really happy with it. Like I think, as I said, someone will win the war at the end of the season. Someone's going to be unhappy at the end of it. But that's fine. That's okay. You want that. Um, because he's a top-class goalkeeper as well. So, you know. We, we yeah. you know, so it's, uh, it's going to breed performances. Hopefully, um, yeah. did you have you rewatched any of the penalties back? I had. I watched some of the highlights. Yeah. So, what did you? Uh, I'm interested in what you thought of uh, Vieira's finish after your some of your comments about. Fabio. It, was right the, it was right in the roof, right? It was right in the roof. Well, I'd say top bins. Top corner, but like, yeah. I mean, I, I still, I still don't believe he's it. It was a good penalty. I'm not denying it wasn't a good penalty. And I think you said it on the last podcast he only scores bangers, right? So he, he does. he's obviously got it in his in his locker. But I'm still, if he was in our starting eleven against Man City in a game of that caliber in the league, I, I'd be worried. I, I can't say that. One thing I would say, and we've not mentioned this, and it's not even on our notes, I don't think. Saka had a, a relatively poor game by the, his standards. Um, was quiet, wasn't he it? was. Yeah, he was really quiet. You know, and usually, and you look at all of our preseason, he has been the constant throughout. He has been, uh, other than the game, like I say, he was replaced with Fabio Vieira, and it was obvious he was replaced with Fabio Vieira because it was chalk and cheese. Um, so I'm, I would worry, but I'm not. I'm not disputing the fact that it was a banger of a goal. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a good level of maturity from him. You know, the, he missed against United, um, and you know there was a lot of negativity off the back of that. I think we've all been a little bit critical of his preseason performances and still feeling like he's not coming on. So hopefully that does well with his worlds of good for his confidence um, yeah. in regards to going into the season. I hope he can kick on. We'll see. But I also think ESR for me it was all automatically already jumped ahead of him in the pecking order. So he looked uh, really good when he came on. He looked really good. Yeah, well, he's he looked good really all like. preseason. He looked good in the Euros. He just needs fitness. He was yeah. like we got. I think we said this in a, a couple of podcasts ago. Like he was in our starting lineup two years ago, he was carrying us. We were along with Saka uh, two years ago uh, in the Chelsea game, and then we went on a winning streak. And it was him, him and Saka that carried us. We forget how good he was. I think everyone forgets how good he was, like other fans included. No one thinks about him. If he can get back to his form now, and gets over his injury worries, he'll be in starting lineup. There's no way you can keep him out. But we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a long road for him to get to that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we talked what? about the, uh, the the back four. And uh, there was one name that we didn't discuss that's missing. And it's going down. I'm yelling, Simba. Uh, tell me, Jace, what did you think about his uh, overall performance? Is he going 
to replace our favourite Ukrainian at left back? Oh, I don't know how to answer this question. I've got a love for Zinni, right? So, um, Zinni's had no preseason. So, is he going to replace him? I don't know yet, honestly. I think it's Timber's fit. So, Zinni's had no preseason. So, it's obvious that Timber's going to have the shirt going in and it's going to be his to lose. And Zinni's got to prove to get his place back. But let's talk about Timber's performance. Oh, Jesus Christ, what a performance. He just doesn't... Every game, every time he has touched that pitch this preseason, it's like he's Premier League ready. Already. Just he's there. Like, I, I did not anticipate a player who's played in the... Uh, I'm going to say Dutch League because I'll murder the name of their league. Um, Eredivisie, is that right? Every, that's it, that's it. Yep. Oh, I just, nailed it. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, his he's he's so strong. Um I the thing I loved um was just you didn't like there was times when he had the ball, Matt Man City were putting the press on him and you're like, is he going left? Is he going right? Is he going left? Oh, he's going right. Like you just didn't know where he was going. It was just taking him left, right, uh, I and and he just had him in his pocket. A bit like Willie Saliba had had Haaland in his pockets. Uh, Timber, Timber, Timber was awesome. Um, yeah, go on. You talk to me about Timber because I know you wanted to talk about Timber. Yeah, I mean, for me, that that like you say, the shimmy, the drop of the shoulder for me, he, he did it. I think I said it to you. Like he did it like four times, and you think sometimes he's one of those players. Maybe that you, you know it's coming. You can read it. You know it's going to happen, and you can do nothing about it. It's literally, you know, you're powerless to stop it. I think he was up against Carl Walker quite often um down that side and it embarrassed him embarrassed him i think to the point where guardiola was saying in the media afterwards he was very disappointed in the carl walker um performance uh it was just gone anyway yeah or maybe that's what it is but like for me to the point of zinni like i got a soft spot for zinni i think i said on a previous chat that we've had he we are a better team with him in it um because of the way that he plays and timber does play like that inverted role probably not as aggressively or as um he played more like a jacker a lot of the time driving forward and kind of collecting the ball and driving so that was really cool to see um and i just it's such a weird dynamic to think that you've got a natural left back on the bench in kieran tierney and he is not starting and you've got a brand new player at the club in his unnatural position roasting players for fun like, you know, come come up to him. You're going to get slapped, basically, and that's what Timber did the whole game. And I'm I'm I am like I say the starting berth for him is there. I don't think Zinni comes in because, like you say, maybe the minutes aren't there. But also, like you can't you can't take away from what he has done so far. I know it's all preseason. I know we're probably getting way ahead of ourselves, but you know why not? <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Timber for me has got that. Well, exactly. If we're not going to do it now, when are we going to do it? We're certainly not going to do it after uh, winning 38 games on the bounce, right? Um, So Timber for me is definitely a starter um, at the moment. Um, Whether or not he keeps that place, I suppose it depends on how quickly Zinchenko gets back to fitness. Um, But it's, you know, what a a riches to have. Uh, in terms of what choices we have at defensive positions, something we couldn't have said last year. Yeah, I, I know. And it's, I mean, we actually haven't talked about Ben White. Um, or just to add in, him going forwards on the right, just it, there was, you know, when he played that ball into Havertz in the box and a little bit burst of pace, some of the balls he's able to play in mm. going forwards. He's still the right back. So if we've got to play Tim, if we've got to fit Timber in as well, then he's going left back. And that back four is the back four starting the season. Um, I think Mikel figured out the back four he wanted last year and he stuck with it from preseason through and it worked well for us. So that might be the same thing again. But so, so yeah, Ben White, excellent performance too, just to add. But also Tommy Asu, Tierney, Kibio. It's not, it's, I mean, I, I love Rob, but Rob's not going to be playing for us anymore. Um, so we have an, you're right, we have an embarrassment of riches. 
Um, we'll talk about it in the car park, but I saw Man City put Laporte up for sale and we might like him. So uh, that's an interesting one as well. Like we keep adding to it. Um, you know, I, I think Tierney's going to struggle for game time if we have Timber and Zinchenko and we have Ben right on the right. Um, unless Tommy Asu is going to be a backup for the right. Um, and then you about Cedric Suarez, remember as well. Oh, I'm Cedric Suarez. Don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. Jesus Christ. Um, sorry, I don't like Cedric Suarez or anyone who doesn't. You didn't really know. mention um, it or made it out. Like, it wasn't obvious either, Jay. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm a Hector Bellerin fan through and through. So uh, yeah. Hector lost his place in the team. Um, yeah, so solid at the back. Uh, really happy with that. Um, okay. Cool. Shall we move on? Right. Yeah, we're going to move on to probably uh, what is going to be your favourite topic of tonight's show, which is uh, Kai Havertz is, was the number nine yesterday. Um, surprise, maybe I think there's maybe a 50-50 split in the camps of is Eddie going to play as the nine? Is Havertz going to play as the nine? I think I'd read somewhere that it was quite obvious we knew what Jesus is going to do as a nine against Man City. We know what Eddie's going to do as a nine against Man City. We did not know what Kai Havertz was going to do as the number nine against Man City. Were you impressed with what he did? You feel a bit vindicated. I obviously realise, Jace, because you've been calling for this. So it's your stage. You've got the microphone. What have you got to say? Everyone said they didn't know what uh, their, he was going to do against Man City, but they knew what Eddie and Jesus was going to do. I knew what Havertz was going to do against Man City. I knew what Havertz was going to do against Man City because you could tell. Um, it was obvious. He's a very tall uh, player and we have been lacking a tall centre-forward since Giroud. I said it last podcast. Um, I didn't know how well he would play, but I knew what he was going to be able to do and he did it well did it exceptionally well for your first game in against Man City. It wasn't like you're, you're playing it against Bournemouth or, I don't know, Sheffield United or whoever. did it against City. Um, so there's just, there's two parts to it. Um, and I want to get your perspective on it. But what else, the two parts I'll say, there's the work that we needed him to play in that position. And then there's the goal scoring. I want to get your thoughts particularly on on. The goal scoring part, you're laughing already. I know we also we listen to to talk sport uh in the car on the way home and well that is what it is, but they were they were they were winding Arsenal fans up all the time about that. But the what we need in a striker up front, particularly in transitional play, is if we're gonna knock the ball forward, it's the ability to be able to bring the ball down, fight the defender off, hold the ball, turn the ball, play it to one of the wingers through the channels. He was doing that. He was winning balls. He was turning defenders. He won a couple of fouls from turning defenders where they wanted to make a transitional foul to stop the counter-attack. It's absolutely what we need is an alternative to Jesus. And so, yeah, I'm really happy to see that. Um, Let's now talk about his finishing. I'm not going to talk about that. You talk about the finishing. What did you think of (laughs) of the goal-scoring parts? So, I mean, I think we, it, well, yeah, I think that's because we disagree a little bit. Like, I get what you're saying and I fully understand it. And it, he did bring a different element to the game. It is, it's not too indifferent to Jesus, right? In terms of what he does, he can bring the ball down, he can bring other players into it. His hold up play was really, really good. Maybe, obviously, Jesus is quite small. His center of gravity is really low. He's good turn of pace, but maybe can't do that job that Havertz does. But, you know, I, like an old school uh, person, want my nines to score goals. And he, he didn't score goals, right? And I know that, like you say, he's been thrown into the fire pit here because he, he's going, he's not playing Sheffield United or Bournemouth. He's playing Man City, the best defence in the league by far. He's playing against two very astute centre-backs. Um, he did find positions. He found opportunity um, we were left wanting, admittedly, and I think they were, they're not easy chances either. They're not very clear-cut. I don't quite know what his XG was, but it probably wasn't super high. I don't think it was probably over, even over one. I'd imagine he was quite low on that scale. And he, he he kind of took the opportunities that he had. He snapped at the first one a little bit and just took what he could from it. I think the second one is more he should be finishing and probably should be scoring that one. Um, but, yeah, you know, I I, 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 yeah, I mean... 
yeah, he had a good game for me and he, he played all right. But like I say, I, I want my nines to score goals. He didn't score a goal. I think I said to you before the start of the game when we saw that lineup, the only thing that is going to save Havertz this game is a goal. No matter how he plays and what he does, admittedly, he needs to score a goal. That's what your striker's there to do. Um, but I would I would say this, when we were listening to TalkSport, they're obviously saying, is he the answer? And I think you said it, like, that's not the question. Um, yeah. Because you're right. Like, you know, we, we have we have Nketiah, we have Balogun, we have Jesus. Admittedly, some of those might not be there by the time the transfer window closes. But we have options. It's not that like we don't have options. And when when we've seen Eddie come on, he can add a different dynamic to how we play going forward. He's much more direct. He's He, he will take on a man. We're more narrow. And so all those options are good. You know, there's not many clubs that have a... a out-and-out striker that does their business. Like, Man United only just signed one. They didn't have one. Who does Chelsea have? They just signed two. Like, nobody has, like, well, you know, Man City are really the only ones that have that. And he's a he's a monster. He's a robot. Like, you can't, there's nothing to compare there. It's just silly to even attempt it. So I think, like you say, we're going to spread around our goals much more around the team. Than, and the same we did last season. But I'm not I'm not all in yet. Well, let me ask you a question. If you can't play Jesus, who do you want up front? Based on I mean, performances I've, you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've flip-flopped a lot over these podcasts in the preseason because we, we had a lot of discussion about Eddie versus Balogun and what's going to happen. Like, Balogun's gone, I think. Yeah, We're just yeah. trying to drive the price we'll up. The fact that him. he's not even going to look in at all. Like, he's, he's definitely going to get an option like we're going to talk about later. I still, you know, I... Eddie, he's a hailender from the academy. He can score. I, I, I wanna, I, I want to see that. But I, I, yeah, Eddie, for me, I'm not going to sit on the fence. I'm going to say it. So I think certain games have it, certain games Eddie, and it depends on who we're playing. That's it. I don't yeah. have faith. Yeah. In 100. That's the wrong word, actually. I'm not as confident with Eddie against a Man City. Um, I just think we're too small as a front three with Eddie mm-hmm. up front against Man City. Even maybe with Jesus against Man City. I, I, I think like it, I, I, it's yeah, even with Jesus, I think we're a little bit because they they've got a big back back four. They play basically centre backs all the way along the back, and that's what we're trying to do now as well almost. Um, and I, I, I feel that we're we're not physically adapt enough, and so I was quite pleased to see Habits in there. I used to remember I, again. I keep referring to Giroud a load, but I, he used to cause Man City problems. He used to get headers in, you know, with the odd one goal we'd get against Man City when we lose three one or or four one would be like a Giroud scoring a header. So, you know, we we need some physicality against them. So I think it depends on the game. On the other hand, uh, Eddie did a great job last year, and there are certain games where he's absolutely perfectly fine uh, as, as as a starting forward. So, yeah, it's got to be the game. I would me. say we, we saw it a couple of times in one of the preseason games where that lofted ball over the top to Havertz at the back post and a header. We've never really played like that for a lot of seasons because, like you say, we've never yeah. really had the option. Giroud was the last one that we could do that with. And like you say, maybe mm-hmm. there's a dynamism to that change in play that we can now get go to. We don't have to play plan A and we don't have a plan B. We, we now have something in the back pocket that we can utilise. Um, so a bit more like Swiss Army knife, I feel now, which is great. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be able to go to the campsite and just choose the different tool for the different job. Um, yeah. and Havertz can offer that so I'm not denying that he can do the job I just I, I don't know I just feel more confident right now well, with Eddie think, if we think about what we struggle with low block low block's what we struggle with why? well we yeah. don't have anyone we can play it over the top two and someone to bring it down and then play it through the channels in a counter style attack because we try and pass it through and then we get to a block like that's how like uh, so this is a different alternative and it's just good to, as you say to have it in our not putting a pun, Arsenal. Hey. <laughs> right. Well, that's. Uh, I, I'm. I'm hoping you you got uh, enough off your chest on the Havertz as the nine, Jace. We're going to go on to another subject, which was the ref, uh, Rodri and Cars, because it felt to me that uh, the ref, who I believe was Stuart Atwell, I could be wrong, 
um, was out to, well, it felt to me out to ruin the game. Yeah, do do fact check me, Jason, because I could get it, uh, I could get it wrong. Um, but it felt like there was an, I don't know, like maybe I'm I'm blinded by my my red tinted glasses. Um, but there, there felt to me that there was something in that game that was trying to ruin the opportunity, the 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 occasion, particularly in the first kind of half an hour to forty minutes. I wonder what what did you see, Jace, from from that? Is there anything that you felt was untoward or indifferent to you? Uh, so first of all, you were correct. It was Stuart hey, Good dispatch of that. Um, what did I feel about the, the refereeing? When I've watched the highlights back since, like they didn't focus on the, the challenges because it's all it's focusing on the gameplay and the pens. So those kind of tactical fouls and things that have happened in the game weren't really they were missing, shall we say, uh, from the highlights reel. So I, I I think when you see a TV view, I think it can change your opinion from what you see in the ground. Mm. What we saw in the ground, we were incredibly just pissed off i mean let's be honest um not to put it like well yeah just to be completely open about it um it just felt unfair um parties challenge from where we were in the ground given the context we haven't seen an up view replay we don't get replays in the ground that didn't look like anything and he got yellow carded within very very early on had to play the whole game with a yellow card but soon, as soon as that, after that, Man City challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge were not uh, dealt with in the same manner, and that for me felt unfair. Again, I'm going to come with a caveat. I didn't see those challenges in detail. I didn't see them up front. I wasn't close enough. I didn't see the TV replay to judge and say, "Oh, he's, he's done it right there." But you know, the fans in the stadium certainly made their opinions felt. Um, about the referee, about Howard Webb when they put Howard Webb on the screen sitting in the stands. Um, I think we, I think we felt uh, like his that performance was unfair in the ground. Um, so I, I don't think it was a great performance from the ref. Um, again, I, I haven't seen the replay of why he booked Arteta either. I thought Arteta had just got pissed off because Man City had gotten away with so many challenges and we'd been booked, and that's what I thought his. I thought that was why he'd been booked because he'd probably, you know, Mikel isn't shy about sticking up for his team. Um, but my understanding was it was the new rules that they've implemented around dissent, I think, that may have caused him to be booked as a result of it. But um, I don't know. You said you have a different view on the Arteta booking, right? You've been given other info. Is that correct? No, I, I, would, I would say from what, I'd, what I'd seen is obviously he he's in the year of the fourth official quite significantly. And like you said, there was multiple challenges in the middle of the park, particularly by Rodri, who was escaping yellow cards left, right and centre. Um, there was an occasion, I think, where Bernardo Silva kicked away the ball, eventually got a yellow card uh, for the second or third time of asking. And Arteta's obviously asking the question. And he, he's a very <clears throat> emotional individual, as we full well know, a very heated individual. He's always on the, the precipice of that technical area, um, almost to the point where he's actually on the pitch. We've seen enough times where he gets involved with players. I think he even had a bit of a shoving match with De Bruyne in, uh, back at the Emirates. So it happens, right? And like you say, maybe they're cracking down on this a lot more with with the kind of rules and the dissent. One one friend texted me saying he was embarrassed by Arteta's behaviour, and I'm here for it. I, I I would hate Arteta to stop being the person that he is, and and mm. you know breeding that behaviour. I would admit that there are occasions where, and we've seen it with Xhaka against Liverpool last season. You don't want to you know like the touch paper and kind of start kicking all of that off again because it can get the other rival fans kind of back into the game. I mean. Let, let me just sidetrack a little bit. Man City's fans yesterday is an absolutely abysmal fan base. Not one noise were made. I think they, they cheered when they scored and there was nothing else the entirety of that game. It was embarrassing. Um, That's I've always the case with like Man City. It. That's always the case with Man City. I, we've been but to so is... many games the Emirates. We've been to we've been to three games against Man City at Wembley. We've been to a semi-final FA Cup, um, I think. Have we been to it together? Yeah. yeah, we have. We've been to the League Cup final yeah. where we got smashed and that game. Every single game at, at Wembley, one, they don't feel their allocation. 
There's seats, spare seats everywhere. They never fill their allocation and they're quiet the whole game. Like, I mean, that's just their fan it's, it's a, I know it is, but it's a long way to come and they I get care, some of that. They didn't care about the Champions League until last year. They never turned up for Champions League games. Yeah, yeah it, is a, it is a weird one. And I have massively sidetracked. I just thought I'd... Uh, to call it out, so Sorry, yeah, Arteta. Arteta it, no, 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 I know we're both getting riled up. Um, <laughs> Arteta obviously got the card. I don't think he deserved it. I don't think any of our players really deserved it. The fact that Thomas Parties was probably within the first fifteen minutes or so, like I, I don't think. And one of the best things about that is usually you see players just not play the same game once they're on that card because they know mm. that any anything untoward you're going to be pulled up on it and it's going to change the game entirely so you don't want to risk those challenges but Parthi did play his game he's not a nasty vindictive kind of player either um and a lot of it like you say is really tactical or kind of strategic fouls they're not kind of like lunges or anything like that i just don't think it like you say it was balanced it was not balanced in that game at all yeah. we were coming off with a lot worse of the decisions and it just felt unfair like you say yeah i i wouldn't be bothered if, like about it if city had been booked as well because we were committing fouls fine like you know arteta is kind of schooled in the art dark arts of guardiola in that perspective transitional tactical fouls we do it we get booked for it we take a book in we do that it's in our game but we get it from man city he obviously hasn't learned well enough it, yet then. <laughs> We're not getting them. Or or I don't know, Rodri has some kind of I don't know, hypnotizing uh, the referees or something because he gets away with bloody murder. Sorry. He just yeah. does. He, I don't know how he doesn't get sorry. I'm not gonna go down the Rodri route. No, I, um, I don't you would have said you're, you're disdained for him, but I agree with you. I think the fact that he can just get away. Um, usually you get players in the middle of the park they're always going to pick up cards Xhaka was one he just he made a name for himself he didn't actually get that many red cards but he just had an association with bookings just because of his style of play and his aggressiveness and the position that he played in because you're always there to break up like that transition like you say that's part of the job of that that player just mm. maddening absolutely maddening like you say I'd, I'd be fine with it if it was balanced, like I say, most of the cards we deserve to get. Some of them we didn't. The party one for, for sure, I don't think we did. But most of them, fine, I can agree with. But it just wasn't the same. It wasn't reciprocated. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right. Cool. That's all of the car game. Kind of, yeah, car part time. We're going to go into the parking lot. I think, Jason, you want to start. you got some some talking points that you want to get over. Yeah. Well, uh, it's just... Wanted your take on some of the news that I've seen today, non-community shield-based news. So uh just seen uh Marquinhos to Nantes. Uh I think that it might be a perm move, unconfirmed. Uh, but they've inquired potentially with a buyback clause. Um wanted your perspective. What's your view on that? He's not he's not really had an opportunity. Like and and he's still relatively raw and relatively young. I wouldn't even say I know what his ceiling is. You know, like some players, you'd be like, oh, they've got mm. a much higher ceiling than you can see right now, and you know they're going to fit into that mold eventually. Like, yeah. I'm just not too sure he ever will. So I think if like, and I can't imagine the price is going to be that major either, single digits. I'd imagine twelve million euro. I think I saw of a twenty-two million euro buyback clause. Yeah. So I mean, it really depends. And like you say, it's very rare that even when a player is is lighting league uh, on fire, that they translate exceptionally well to the Premier League, at least in recent terms, at least for us, <laughs> from what we've seen. You know, we've got Pepe as a, as a player, I'm example. content. I'm content to buy strikers from League One, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts. I'm not content to buy wingers from League One. Pepe, Jovino. I'm not quite, uh, yeah. yeah. If he goes to the league, but, league on, on a perm, he ain't coming back to, he might come back no. to the Premier League, but I don't know if he's coming back to us. Not to us. Yeah. I mean, I, I take it, to be honest. I don't think he fits in. We, we don't need, you know, we're not going to, he's not going to replace Saka. And, and not to say that even Nelson is, but Nelson's better than Marquinhos. So you're banking. Yeah. You're banking. Yeah, I'll take that. So, I read one tweet and I kind of agreed with it, which was, sorry, I can't, I should really call out who it was, but I can't remember who said it, um, which was, why would we not just loan him out for a year and see how he performs? Because what are we going to do? How, how long has he got left on his deal? Is it long? I don't know. I don't know his contract length. That, that's independent, isn't it? It's like, 
know. When he signed him, yeah, he could be a last year, and, and he came on the Europa League, and he was pretty strong in the Europa League. He's got a good goal um, in the game against Europe away. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, you don't buy a player. I mean, I, I guess we're happen. I'm assuming we're making a profit on him. So maybe that's the case. Maybe we're doing that, getting in talent. Maybe that's one of the things we're doing to make money. So, to, you know, is to get talent, young talent in from yeah. from from the South America and sell it for a profit. I mean, we seem to be doing that a little bit with a couple of players from America, like Trusty, Turner. Though we're only making a million pound profit on Turner by the looks of it. Um, mm. That moved to Forest, but yeah, maybe. But, but I would say one, one thing I've noted, like Arteta is ruthless. Absolutely ruthless. Um, he is an elite yeah. manager who is speed running his way to the Premier League. I've never seen anything like it where he's trying to get to the the pinnacle so quickly by the changes he's making. And if someone is not fitting in with the system or the mould, then they're gone. And that, that could be a case yeah, here. I mean, his net spend's building up. But... Uh... But then hey, it's still not as much as Ten Hag's. You've seen this. You've seen the stats on United. <laughs> yeah, I think was it six hundred or something they spent in eighteen months that he's been there. And the the, the, the funniest thing yeah. for that for me is that everyone's calling for Arteta's head like this season. If he doesn't win it this season, what's your excuse then? And I'm, I'm kind of like I can think along the same terms like that sometimes. You know, he's spent a lot of money. Mm. He's got a lot. We came second last year. I know. I you know trust the process. I'm, trust. I'm with you, right? Well, I, I can see where people come from, but you can see it, right? You can see where people come from. It's like he spent that much money, we came second. You kind of really got to probably has to win something, whatever that can is. I, all right, uh, I, yes, he has to win. No, I, I don't think he does. <laughs> if we get to the final, if we get to the final, if we finish second in the league and get to the final and, and get to a couple of finals and don't win it, look at Liverpool in the season before last. Real Madrid, they lost the FA Cup final. They lost. Yeah, the, the treble, the quadruple final. one, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, and they, they didn't get anything. I think, well, maybe they got a league cup. I can't remember. In but bearing in mind, they had won way, the league and the Champions League beforehand, Jay. So it's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, but no one sacked Klopp. Like my 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 point is, if yeah, you could say that about Arteta, but you know, would Tottenham fans, if they can reflect back, would have Spurs fans sacked Pochettino? No, they wanted him back. I know plenty of Spurs fans that wanted Pochettino back. They wouldn't have sacked Pochettino. Would we sack Arteta? No, because who are we going to get in to replace him? Who are you going to bring in to replace him? And I, I would also, yeah, it is. And I would also say that, generally speaking, only one team are going to win it. You know, the other 19 teams in the league, they're not winning it either. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a case of saying, well, Arsenal failed because they didn't win it. And I think there was a really good, I think it was a, an NFL player that got challenged to go, oh, how did you reflect on the failure of the season? And he was basically like, what do you mean failure? Like, you know, not winning something doesn't mean something is a failure. There is progress, there is growth, there is learning. You know, in business as in sport, feedback and the ability to grow and learn and adapt and kind of, you know, do, progress through your career is exactly the same in football. Just because you don't necessarily win something yeah. doesn't mean you haven't learned and grown and progressed. Yeah. And I, there's a gamble, right? You take Arteta, you, you get rid of Arteta and his coaching staff. You take away that stability from the club. You've then got all of his players in who who he bought, who he's made the decisions on, who he's convinced to join. And you have to bring in another coach who's got to change a way of playing. Then he's going to go, well, do the, do the squad, does the squad fit his way of playing? you got to go for a whole process again. Um, and and I, I, I don't think that is the way to go. I don't think we will sack Arteta even if we don't win anything. I don't want to sack Arteta even if we don't win anything. Uh, I trust in the process. I think it's a long game. Um, you know, if we get to ultimately as well, let's be honest, we've got the Cronkies as owners. They're not idiots they're in it to make some form of money they're, they that's why they do sporting ventures if we're getting second in the premier league again and pushing city all the way if we're getting to a final like the champions league final pushing far that means we're cementing ourselves as one of the top clubs in the world if we aren't already in that top five teams in the world you know we are based on value or whatever it is squad value so we're cementing ourselves in that place what does that mean it means we're making bank that's what it means it means we're making money are they sacking Arteta? No, 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 no. Because they've done this investment to reap the investment. They're not stupid. 
So they're not gonna they're not gonna get rid of that stability yeah. that they, mean, we, we, they've invested we, into to get. Yeah, I mean we've we've got elite IP in this whole team, second youngest team in the league last season, best young coach in the world. Like you say, there's there's relatively if you're there or thereabouts, you're gonna keep it. Wow, this parking lot's gone deep, 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 deep. Um oh, like, you know, I know, but uh, to go back to the original point. Where is the head of Ten Hag? Where are people calling for his head? I, I do feel that there's a lot more rope that he's been given with regards to the changes that he's making. You look at some of the signs that they've made. I mean, they are your your, your Antonies. Like, get out the door, honestly. Well, we, we've had we've had a few signings, right? You could say Fabio Vieira is a questionable one. Um, we've had some signings that Arteta's brought in are going to come and gone. Uh, Tavares. Actually, he's still, we still own Tavares. Where's he going? Sammy Lekonga. Yeah, Lekonga. Uh, and Sammy Lekonga as well, right? Uh, however, those were signings that cost under 15 million. They didn't spend 100 million on Anthony. That's a different yeah, and where are they? And where are they now is the question. They, they're not in our starting 11. They're not even on our bench. We are yeah. actively yeah, doing yeah. To, to, to move them on, right? We, we don't want them in the club. Yeah. Yeah, we're being ruthless. And I think there are plenty. It's quite interesting. I mean, it is interesting on any fans, uh, rival fans. They all have different opinions and and some will be there to real grind the axe with your rival club. So they'll grind grind the axe of Arsenal. And some are like, oh, quite like to be like Arsenal. They're, They're doing it right. And I've seen a few people really with United fans saying kind of like what Arsenal are doing is pretty much what United are trying to replicate. The difference is they're trying to do it a bit quicker. And I think by spending more money, they probably think they're trying to do it quicker. But you've got to give Ten Hag time as well. He's going through a process. Like He's two years behind Mikel Arteta. This is Mikel's fourth season. He's two years behind Mikel Arteta. The difference is they're trying to buy it faster, but that, that doesn't work like that. And also, I don't think all of their buys are making sense. That guy phoned into TalkSport yesterday and made us piss ourselves laughing because he basically said that uh was it Hoyland is gonna score 20 plus goals even maybe outscore Haaland this year it's like guys he scored nine goals for Atlanta in Serie A he was like yeah but in 20 games and he only had 20 appearances so he's not even done a full season Serie A so he spent 75 million pounds on a guy it's not even like done a full season in Serie A like I mean that's a gamble, and 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 that takes us on to our next subject. I'm going to move us along. Balogun, how much is Balogun worth? He scored 21 goals in the French league. He competed with Mbappe and Messi for the for the top scorer in that league. I'm not saying he's worth 75 million, just to be clear. But if you're comparing market rates and standards that are being set. Where, how much is he worth and, and, and how much should we be selling him for? And I say ask that because I think Inter have started the bidding at 35 million. We've politely told them to try again. Do one. Monaco, Do Monaco, one. Have regist- Monaco have registered interest. West Ham have registered interest and, Len- and RC Lens or Lons have registered interest too. But apparently Balogun has basically told the management he wants to go to Inter. So how much are we selling him for, Grev? Well, this is, this is the thing. I think that's why we've rebuffed any kind of interest or offers that we've had because we're looking at the external market and going, look, you see him over there, 70 million. We're, we're like, he's better than him, as you've just said. So why are we, we're not like bickering over 35 million. You give us the money or you, you're not having him. Um, and I think that's, I think it'll get done at 50. I think 50 is probably a reasonable amount to expect for a player with his contract left, with his track record and his calibre. Um, whether it gets done or not is, I, I think it will. It just might take a little bit longer. I think Arsenal are going to stay firm on the money that they want. Like I said in a few pods ago, we're awful at selling, absolutely atrocious at selling. We we just can't seem to get the value out of our players, and this feels like the first one in a long time that we've we actually have like some money in it, you know, that we could get out of it. That we, this is the first player for Oxley Chamberlain was the last one I can remember that we got a good a good value for like when they paid 35 million, I think Liverpool for Oxford, I was like, I was like, wow, that is a silly yeah, amount I of for him. I mean, he's won a, he's won a Premier League medal, so I can't really like, uh, and a Champions League. And medal. a Champions League. Yeah. So I, I mean, good for him. Can't, can't really say Probably very much on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He, he definitely won more with them than he did with us. So 
But that's being said, I think 50 million it will get done. I think he's definitely gone. Uh, I do not like his mentality at all. I am not not interested in him staying anymore. I would have I would have entertained the idea before a lot of the nonsense that I've kind of seen with he's kind of like like he said he wants certain clubs. He wants to be told to just let me go, kind of thing. Like he's being held hostage. Like you signed the contract, mate. You're 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 with this club. Stay and fight for your place, and don't whinge and moan about it in the media. Get your head down, and he hasn't. So you know. But yeah, I'm sure. So one of the out of that list that you went through, the one thing I will say, jog on West Ham. After all of the stuff that we went through with Declan Rice, you're absolutely <laughs> laughing that we're doing any business with you whatsoever. You can absolutely well, walk down the road to some other London club. We are doing business with them if they they want to pay market rate because they've got the money to pay market rate. Yeah, so, we, yeah, I don't know where they got the money from there. Can you tell me? I'm not too sure. I don't know. Some some club in North London, I think. Yeah, they can have seventy million. I'll take seventy million for Balogun from West Ham. Anything else? You can jog on. <laughs> so I had one last question in the car park. There's one last topic I'll put in there. Um, you can give us a short, sharp answer. Apparently, Man City have told Laporte he can go. You taking him? Because apparently, we're interested. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no, I don't think so. I think we've got a lot of outs to go before we even consider any more incomings. And I think we do have quite a few different versatile options at centre-back. It's not to say you can't do a job. So if we end up getting some good offers for some of those, Tommy Yasu, Cedric Suarez, uh, Rob Holding, those kind of, if you know, if all of those go, then we might have a gap. I just don't see us having a gap right now. But so you, I think, I think... you seem interested in it, Jace. I'm intrigued. Your eyes are lighting up. I can tell it. Yeah. I'm intrigued. So, so Rob Holden's Swedish trial, they're not even in the equation. Like they're, they're gone already. Like they're not in our squad squad. Um, so if you look at the fill-ins, you've got Tommy Asu and Ben White technically could you could consider right backs. You've got Tierney, Zinchenko and Timber, left backs. Timber can also play right back. And then you've got Gabriel, Saliba and Kivior. Now, Timber's also supposedly could be a centre-back, so you could fill him in there. As Tommy um, Asu, I think, as well. He's never played right there for back. Arsenal. He's played left center. He plays left center back for Japan, but he's never played there for Arsenal. Okay. I wouldn't play him there. And personally, from what I've seen, I, I don't. Uh, my personal observation is I wouldn't have necessarily the confidence to put him in that position. Um. So but here's my gut feel. I keep saying it every podcast. I think we might sell Tommy Asu. I think we could sell Tommy Asu, have Tierney because I don't think Tierney's going anywhere. I think that's quite clear now. Tierney and Zinni at left back. Timber and White are right back, and then have a back four of Gabriel Laporte. Sorry, send four centre backs: Gabriel, La- Gabriel Laporte, Saliba, and Kivior. The only then thing I say is I don't know why Laporte would join us if he wants first team football because he's lost his first team place at City. I don't think he's getting in over Gabriel and Saliba. So I could see how he'd fit, and it does interest me. It's better strength in depth. But I think he'd have the same problem he has at City. He ain't getting, he ain't getting in the squad. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I'd agree with you. But maybe it's a competition thing. Maybe say I want to go and fight for my place. You know, Davide like say has done the same thing. So it's not to say it's out of the question. Um, interesting, like you say. But I, I'm still with all of the stuff happening at the back. I'm just still not sure what's going to happen. There's a lot of change that needs to happen. A lot of outgoings before we even consider what incomings make sense to us. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, right. Anything for that you has to been, No, I mean, you, you had so many subjects, and I think we've had an absolutely uh, rip-roaring podcast, uh, excuse the pun. Um, and we, we've gone an hour and five minutes. I think me and Jay started this off going, right, 45 minutes, that'll be a good show. And as always, we found lots to talk about, lots of uh, interesting subjects and lots of Arsenal goodness to sink our teeth into. So... That is going to be it for me. Uh, and I, I think that's been an absolutely amazing episode. So thank you uh, very much, Jace. Um, like I said, to anybody that watches us on YouTube, please do give us a like and a subscribe if you can. And Jace, if you're listening to it, what should they do? Should leave us a review and ask us questions. 
Um, yeah, no catch us on the socials on Twitter right? or uh, no, yeah, no less than a five star. No, no fours, no threes. I don't want to see him. Not interested in him. Uh, fives only uh, in this world. Um, yeah, any questions on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok? Send them our way. We'll try our best if any do come in to answer them on our next podcast, which I think we're going to be doing our Premier League predictions later on this week. Is that right, Jace? If we get the time to do it? Yeah, I think we got to get that in for the first game of the season. Yeah, yeah, that would be our aim. Because we can't spoil the surprise once we smash Nottingham Forest on Saturday. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for your time, everybody. I hope everybody... Yeah, well, I mean, it's not, not wishful thinking, Jason. It's going to be done. Uh, hopefully, everybody has an enjoyable rest of their evening. And thank you very much for joining us on the Rip Roaring Reds podcast. Cool. Cheers, guys. Thank you.